Well, good morning, everybody. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? Raise your hand. Let me see. Ooh, quiet. It's a seventh, like, wonder of the world, or in the top seven. Or Now, it's got, like, sheer rock cliffs that just go down forever and ever. Now, how many of you who have been to the Grand Canyon went to the very edge, I mean, right to the very edge, to look over to get a good look? Nobody? That's a Oh, my goodness, there's always one. Praise the Lord, you're with us this morning. <laughs> the truth is, I believe in gravity. <laughs> I did not get close to the edge. I got way back from the edge. That's where I want to be. I wouldn't do something like, uh, you know, jump out of a flying airplane, even if I had a parachute. That's because gravity is that important to me. Fact is, though, at the Grand Canyon, did you know two to three people die every year? Every year. They can count on it. And I'm not talking about suicide. I'm talking about one guy who was, thought he'd just walk close to the edge, you know, like this, and then tripped and went over. One lady was taking a selfie and wanted to make sure that it, it really showed the whole panorama down below her and a gust of wind came and over she went the fact is they knew about gravity but unfortunately they didn't believe in it strongly enough to stay a little bit further away and what's true in the physical world is even more true in the spiritual world while you may think it's crazy and I certainly do to go to a sheer rock cliff and stand and look over it, I would never do it. Yet, when it comes to the spiritual kingdom of Jesus Christ and, and, and toying around with sin, we come right to the edge and we look over. And we wonder why so many times we see lives crash, maimed, and hurt. Fact is, I'm kind of glad I've got five children. You know what? I have five children and they all believe in gravity. Can I tell you how happy I am about that? I mean, I don't have to worry about them climbing trees and jumping. I just praise God for that. But how even more important it is for me that they believe in the truths of the spiritual kingdom. You know, the psalmist said in Psalm 26, he says, For I am always aware of your unfailing love, and I have lived according to your truth. I've walked in your truth, some of the translations would say. That walk in your truth really means that I'm living in the truth. I am living in the truth. In fact, John, the apostle, in his epistles, he talked about how overjoyed he was that his children, his spiritual children, were living in the truth. In 2 John, he says, How happy I was to meet some of your children and find them living according to the truth, just as the Father commanded. He saw that they were living according to the true principles of the kingdom of heaven, and he was happy. And third John, he says, listen to this, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. No greater joy than to know that my children are living in the truth. The fact is there is a truth in the physical world. There are truths also in the spiritual world. There's truths that are part of this kingdom of this world, but there are even more important 
critical truths in the kingdom of heaven that we have to know. And that if we're going to live our lives victoriously with, for Jesus Christ, then we will need to live in the truth. The question is, are you living in the truth? And the question we would have to ask even before we got to that is, what is truth? We hear everywhere, and I know you've heard it, I've heard it, it almost makes me sick to hear it. Someone says something that's a total falsehood, and they say, well, that's, that's her truth. I'm like, give me a break. It's either true or it's not. But what is truth? Merriam-Webster defines it this way, the body of real things, events, and facts. Basically, what's real is real. What's true is true. Real things, real events, real facts. And are you living your life based upon the real truth of Jesus Christ? Because that's what's important. In fact, Jesus, when he was being interviewed by Pontius Pilate, and how awesome do you think it would be just to be able to sit down with Jesus and do an interview? Pontius Pilate had that opportunity. And I want us to look at what Jesus said to him. It says, uh, Pilate went back into his headquarters, called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews? He asked him. Jesus replied, is this your own question or did others tell you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate retorted, your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? And I want you to listen to Jesus' answer. My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. And you really could put the word yet in there because he is coming back. My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said, so you are a king? Jesus responded, you say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into this world to testify to the truth. So if I were to ask you, why did Jesus leave the glory of heaven and come to this world? You would say he came to testify to the truth of course Pilate's next question right after that is what is truth and there Pilate so blinded so blinded by the earthly kingdom by Rome and its power and all that it said and all its lies that Pilate could not even recognize truth when it sat right in front of him can you imagine what is truth? And there was Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, right in front of him. Well, you may be thinking, well, why, you know, why do I need to be so into I don't even see the spiritual kingdom, you know? I, where I live, Steve, where I live is a worldly kingdom, you know? Like, I got to put food on the table. We got to eat. I got to work, do this. Do. I've got to be concerned about this worldly kingdom. But let me just let you on on a little fact, a little truth right now. You are not a citizen of this worldly kingdom. Did you know that? The Bible says, in fact, that you are a stranger and a pilgrim on this earth. You are not a citizen here. Do you know where you're a citizen of? You're a citizen of heaven. Philippians says that. It says, our citizenship is in heaven. That's who you're a citizen of. Heaven. It says, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus tells us, because... If you're a follower of Christ, that's why Jesus tells us, seek first what? The kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, his truth, and all these things will be added unto you. 
But it's so easy for us to seek this kingdom here on this world because it's right before our eyes. But the Bible tells us in a number of places, seek first the kingdom of heaven. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For we focus on those things which are not seen instead of those things which are seen. What he is telling you, what the Bible is telling you, is that this kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, is critically important. And it is important for you to follow the truths of that kingdom. That is why Jesus came. And the hard part is, is that you're getting lies all over the place, aren't you? I mean, you can't turn on the TV without telling something you just have to have. You can't live without this. Or the lies of your of even the neighbors, this, this, this culture, this, this culture of putting self at the center and pleasing yourself and, and finding your own comfort, finding your own joy, taking care of number one. That's what the world will tell you. But Jesus came to reveal the real truth. And the real truth is this right here. This is God's word. Do you believe that this is true? Do you believe it? If you believe that this is true, then you need to spend time here because it is the truth. And the only way that you'll ever be able to counteract the lies of this world is to know the truth. And this book is truth. Every bit of it from cover to cover is true. And it's the only thing that will defeat the lies that are coming to you constantly. In fact, as the Bible talks about itself, it says all scripture, that's Genesis to Revelation, is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. See, it teaches us what? What is true? And that's what you need to know. And look what else it does. It makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do or to do what is right. And it's this book right here, the Bible. It is the word of God that reveals to us the truth. That truth has to be revealed. We can't figure it out on our own. The only thing we can figure out on our own is how to take care of number one. And we don't even do that well. So this book is the word of God. Its author is God. This is God's word from him to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. He gave us this book. But what about its author? Can you trust him? This is what the Bible says about the author of the Bible. It says, so God, who is the author, has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable. Look at this. Because it is impossible for God to lie. I want you to meditate on that. It is impossible for God to lie. That means everything in here is true. Every promise that he's ever made will come true. You can count on it. You can take it to the bank. It is true. Every commandment that he's ever given is for your good. He's not holding back on you. It's true and it's for your good and for his glory. He cannot lie. Now, right there, that would be enough. I mean, we've already just, uh, we've already looked at how important truth is. What is the truth? Right here, the word of God. Who gave us the truth? God. And that God, who in fact, is someone who is always right. Who never, ever lies. 
So you're thinking, well, that's good. Now we can pack up and go home, right? Not quite, because here's the problem with all of that I've said is that you have to realize that you have an enemy. See, if that's all there was was just this, hunky-dory, but the fact is you have an enemy, and this enemy is throwing lies out out at us all the time. Look what it says about him. Talking to the Pharisees, he says, For you are the children of your father, the devil. And you love to do the evil things he does. Now, he starts describing our enemy, Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You see, the source of truth is God. He's the father of all truth. Satan is the father of all lies. He is the source of lies. And he comes at us with lies from every which way. I mean, he tells us what makes us acceptable, right? There has to be a certain look. If you don't meet that certain look, you're not acceptable. There has to be a certain IQ. If you don't meet that certain IQ, you're not acceptable. There has to be a certain amount of net worth. If you don't meet that net worth, you're not acceptable. He tells us all these lies, and he's the father of lies. And if we believe them, we will find ourselves falling into depression, anxiety, self-hate, all these things that come from believing these lies. And so it really comes down to this question. Who do you believe? That's the battle. Who do you believe? Well, you say, who would ever believe Satan? Well, he's got a lot on his side, doesn't he? Who would ever believe those lies? The problem, they're so easy to believe. When you tell yourself... What a loser you are. You have believed a lie. When you tell yourself things like, I'm ugly and why would anyone want to be around me? You're believing a lie. When you tell yourself things like, I can't, you're believing a lie. When you say that you're not successful, what are you basing that on? So many people feel like they're failures in life based upon a worldly definition of success that is a lie. God wants you to believe him. He wants all of us to believe him. Now, that's critically important. That's called faith. Oh, sorry. I got your attention. Anytime I feel you sleeping, I'm just going to slap this baby. (laughs) He wants you to believe him. In fact, when you don't believe him, when you agree with Satan, what you're saying is, God, it's not impossible for you to lie. In fact, you're saying, God, you are lying to me. What you're saying is not true. That's why faith is so important to the the Lord. Faith is so important to him because he, he wants you 
to believe. He wants you to believe that what he says is true. In fact, that's why the Bible says, for without faith, without believing the truth, without believing without faith, it is impossible to please God. Did you get that? It's impossible. You have to believe him. You must believe that God is, that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So you have to believe that what he says is true. You have to believe in him, and you have to believe he rewards you, that there's reward for following the truth, even when sometimes it causes pain. So the battle lines are drawn. Really, it comes down to who do you believe? Do you believe God in everything that he says, or do you believe what the world says, even your own self-talk that you say to yourself? Which will you believe? You realize in the Bible it says four times this. It says the just shall live by faith, believing God. You know, when we talk about this battle of who will we believe, and in Ephesians 6, there's this description of our armor, what we wear. Y'all familiar with that, the armor that we wear, the belt of truth, right? The breastplate of righteousness. There's only on, on one of our pieces of armor, that we actually find out about the enemy's weapons. Did you know that? Only on one of them. And it's the shield of faith. It says, in addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith, look, to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Well, what are those fiery arrows? Those fiery arrows are the lies that he is telling you. How do you defeat them? By holding up the shield of, I believe God. I believe his truth. Well, I want us to look at three battles because I want us to see the strategy of Satan, how he tries to take us down, how he tries to get you to believe all those lies. Even sometimes when we know they're lies, we still accept them and live by them. And I want you to see how he does that. We're going to look at three different battles. The first one we're all very familiar with, it's at the very beginning of the Bible, and it's the one between Satan and Eve when she was in the garden. So let's take a look at that. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. That means he was the trickiest, all right? Now, one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees of the garden? Just a little question. She says, she, she repeats back the truth. Of course, we may eat from the, the fruit from the trees in the garden. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, this is what he said, God's word, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. So she knew God's word. But look at the response. You won't die, the serpent replied, bald-faced lie. Just a bald-faced lie. God knows, but the thing is, I want us to see that he doesn't just lie, but he surrounds it with things that are true, half-truths. So he says, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. That's true, their eyes were opened. The Bible says that. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. That's true. Their eyes were opened, and they were like God, knowing both good and evil. The Bible says that happened too. So God, Satan takes half-truths, but he puts a lie right in the middle of it, and the lie was, you will not surely die. So then the woman had some self-talk. She says, she saw the tree. It was beautiful. She said to herself, wow, that tree looks beautiful. Now, she had seen that tree, I don't know how many times before, 
But at this moment, at this instance, it looked really good. Now, the fruit she saw, and it looked delicious. Man, and it had been a full 15 minutes since she had her last piece of fruit. And she was hungry. And that fruit, how did it look? Delicious. She said, I, I really need some fruit. And then she wanted that with, she wanted to be better. Self-improvement, right? Because it's all about me. And so I want to be better. So I want to get stuff so I can get me some wisdom. I can be like God. Now, she's saying all this stuff, stuff to herself. They're all lies. And then she eats the fruit. And what happened is that Eve had a choice in this instance. She knew what God said. She heard the lie. And she chose the lie. And every single one of us have that choice. God has given each and every one of us free will. And all the battles of life that you will face, and you will face battles, you have a choice to believe God or believe Satan, to believe the truth or believe the lies. God did not create robots, automatons that just do what he says. No, he actually incredibly gave you a choice whether you believe him or not. And so the devil comes with his lies wrapped around in half-truths to entice you to doubt God. And that's what he did. Now let's look at battle number two. This one was Peter. And you probably remember the story when uh, Jesus was uh, telling him he was going to be arrested and that they were all to leave him. And what did Peter say? Oh, not me. No, 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 no. Maybe the rest of these dudes but I'm sticking with you. In fact, if I have to die, I'm sticking with you. Now, I want us to look at Jesus' words because Jesus knew. Jesus knew the battle was coming. He knows the battle you're fighting right now. He knows your battles. He knew the battle that Peter was going to face, and I want you to look at his words. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. In other words, that's the battle right there. He has asked to be able to attack you, to sift you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. Now, it's interesting. He didn't, he didn't pray for Peter that he would be a great apostle, right? He didn't even pray that... Peter would preach to over 3,000 people. He didn't pray that. He didn't pray that, that Peter would just be a great success. He didn't pray any of that. What did he pray? That your faith would not fail. Because Peter was about to enter the arena of the battle that was going to be immense. He was about to see Jesus pushed around, accused, fingers in his face, shoved, whipped, and he had to still believe that this person was the Messiah, the Son of God. And then he denied him three times, not once, not twice, three times that he even knew him and he denied him with curses. Could someone like that ever be forgiven ever and he had to come to terms with his own failure he had to come to terms with what he saw in his, his own eyes and what Jesus prayed for him in that battle is that his faith 
would not fail. And the good news is that prayer came true because Peter's faith did not fail. He was restored. And he served the Lord Jesus Christ. One more battle I'm going to show you. Now, this is the battle. This is how we should do it, really. This is the one that was with Jesus. And it wasn't in the garden. It was in a wilderness. And uh, look what happens here. It says, the tempter came and said to him, that's Jesus, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. So in other words, you know, Jesus, feed yourself. Take the easy way out. No, it's all about you anyway. Turn these stones into bread because you can do it if you're the son of God. Of course, Jesus didn't fall for that lie, for that temptation. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. But get this, on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So how did Jesus defeat Satan's lies? With the truth. He knew the truth. He believed the truth. He spoke and lived the truth. Now, I want you to understand in the kingdom of heaven, there is blessing to living the truth. What are the blessings? What are the results we have? Well, Jesus says this, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. How many of you are free this morning? How many of you right now, as I'm looking at you, you would say you are in bondage to sin, whatever it is. And you struggle with it. And every day you get up and you say, today's going to be different, but it isn't. You feel like you have no control and no power, but that is a lie. Because the Bible says, the truth says, sin shall not have dominion over you. You do not have to do that. But are you free? Know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus also said this. He said, I've told you these things. In other words, I have told you the truth, right? So that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. How many of you are filled with joy this morning? I mean, you came in, man, you couldn't wipe the smile off your face. In fact, if we were to talk to your spouse right now, they'd say, oh, this is the most joy-filled person I ever knew. (laughs) The fact is, the fact is that when we know Jesus and we know the truth, we can have joy in the midst of our most troubling circumstances. There was a man, he was sitting right over there. And he is such an inspiration to me and such a blessing. He's got liver cancer. He just has a short time to live. But you know what he says to me all the time? I'm filled with joy. Man, Jesus loves me and he loves you too. How in the midst of a trial like that can you have joy? Because he knows the truth. And that this world is not all there is. The problem is, is our (laughs) self-talk. What we say to ourselves. See, the problem with our self-talk, I mean, the world's come at us with lies, right? We all hear the the lies. You turn on a commercial, we hear the lies. The TV shows, the work, the talk, whatever. They're coming at us from all angles. But the the most dangerous form of lies comes from ourselves. When we lie to ourselves. It's called self-talk. We tell ourselves lies. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm such a loser. I'm so ugly. Who wants to spend time with me? You know, I'm alone. I'm depressed. We say all these things to ourselves, and they are lies from the very pit of hell. 
And we've all dealt with that. Look, I've dealt with that. Why I'm preaching this message this morning is because I've dealt with that and know the victory that truth and the love of Jesus Christ brings. And I want you to experience that too. But I know how dangerous the enemy is. And you can't defeat him on your own, but only through the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of his word. I remember this was years ago, back when we were at the old campus. It's kind of how the self-talk works. This is how it works. Um, back then, I did, did the welcomes. I did a lot of the welcomes. In fact, they used to call me the minister of welcomes. New position. So anyway... I would do the welcome. Well, when we did the welcomes back then, you didn't pray afterwards. You would say the announce, you say welcome, then you say the announcements, and then you would say something like this. And now let us all continue and worship as we praise our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Something like that, okay? And I'd go down, worship leader come up. And it wasn't David Schrote, let me just tell you that right now. But the uh, but I do all that. I say the words, worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I looked over at our worship leader, and he was doing this. I do not know where he was, where his mind was, but he didn't budge. So I'm up here at the podium. What do I do now? Do I lead in music? Oh, no. <laughs> I, I'm thinking in my mind, I got to get him up here. What am I going to do? And then I, after this long pregnant pause of me, sweat coming down my forehead, standing here, I say the stupidest thing that you could ever say. I look at everybody and kind of at him and I go, Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, those words never left my mouth. Then when I began doing a little self-talk, it was, you stupid idiot. And I went down the stairs. We had stairs right here next to the podium. I went down each stair, and I said, idiot, idiot, <laughs> idiot, idiot. <laughs> All the way down. I got to the aisle way, and do you know what? I made eye contact with no one. I looked at my shoes all the way down, and if I could have found a place to run away and hide for the rest of my life, that's what I would have done. But let me ask you a question. Was I an idiot? Be very, thank you. God bless you, encouraging people, you. God bless you. No, I wasn't an idiot. Did I do something idiotic? Okay, I'll give you that, right? But the problem is what we do is we do some things. Sometimes, we, I mean, we're human, all right? We are not perfect. We are not God. We do sometimes stupid things. I did a stupid thing. But what we do is we tell ourselves, I'm an idiot. What a loser. And we believe it. Why? Because well, it's us doing the talking. And we believe ourselves. And that's how Satan gets us every time. Just had a young lady came in not too long ago. It was a phone call I made. She, she was, I saw you sleeping. All right. <laughs> the, uh, I called her. She was upset. And uh, I said, look, can I meet with you today? She said, yes. So she came in. When she came in to my office, she was crying already. You know, most of the time people get in, they'll sit down, they'll start talking. And then the she came in crying. And I want to share with you some of the things she said. I wrote them down as she was talking. Through the tears, I'm so alone. I have no friends. I feel trapped. 
All three were lies from the enemy that were destroying this beautiful young girl. Spoke to another woman right out there in the foyer. It was a Wednesday night. And she had sat out in the parking lot for a while. She wasn't going to come in. She decided to come in, and one of the deacons came and got me. I had spoke to her for just a little while. Tragically, she had lost her daughter. And she looked at me, again, the tears just streaming. I am so mad at God. And I just told her, I understand you're being mad. I'd be mad too. But you're mad at the wrong person. It's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It was God who left his own glory of heaven to come down to this place of death and lies and live the truth for us and die on a cross for us so that we wouldn't have to live like this forever. That night she accepted Christ as her Lord and Savior. Now, am I saying she's through? No, this battle, it's not like one battle and it's over with. This battle is constant, but that's why you have to tell yourself the truth constantly. This is why it says in Romans chapter 12, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Now get that, don't be conformed to this world, the lies of the world. Do not be conformed to that. But be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? Truth. Truth is how you renew your mind. So we look at renewing your mind. What do you do so that you can have that mind renewed and live victoriously for Jesus Christ? Well, first of all, you've got to identify the lies. What are the lies that you are believing? For that girl, that young girl, she said, I'm so alone. The funny thing was her mom was with her. And loved her and supported her. Was she alone? No, she wasn't alone. She said, I have no friends. She had pushed them away because of the situation in her life. I said, call them up. Probably several of them are longing to hear from you. And then she said, I feel trapped. And that's when I introduced her to the one who will set her free. I shared the gospel with her. She prayed to receive Christ. Now, here's the interesting thing. This young lady, who was literally absorbed in tears, left that office with her mom, filled with joy. Why? Truth. Truth, guys. It was truth. And the thing that destroys us every time is when we hold on to and cleave to the lies of this world, it destroys us. So the first thing I would say is you have to identify the lies. Identify the lies. And then argue against them. You know, that's what Jesus did. He said, no, Satan, no, you ain't right. No, that's wrong. Let me tell you what's right. So you take those lies, you argue against them, and you replace them with the truth. You replace them with the truth. That same woman who lost her daughter has to do that on a regular basis. You know why? Because Satan is so cruel. 
He will keep bringing those lies back to you. He doesn't stop. He's relentless. And so you have to be relentless too. And you need to take this truth and hide it in your heart so that you can use that truth to defeat the lies that he tells you. Truth is greater than lies, but it doesn't help you unless you know it, believe it, and you walk in it. In fact, is throughout the Gospels, Jesus says these very words to, to people. He says, it shall be done according to your faith. It shall be done according to your faith. See, it doesn't help you if you don't believe it. How do you have victory in this world? To live a life that's victorious? Well, let me leave you with the final scripture. It's in 1 John. It says, for every child of God, now get this, defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. All I can say to you, I don't know how you came in, but if you came in And your self-talk was, I'm miserable, I'm depressed, I'm ugly, I'm a failure. It goes on and on and on. There's so many lies. He knows your weak spots. Start telling yourself. Listen to me. Start telling yourself the truth that you are the apple of his eye. That you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loves you. That you are a child of the king. And no weapon formed against you will stand because you're a child of the king. There's probably three groups here today. One of you, one of the groups here, they just believe this and they know this. You understand the joy. Not that you're perfect, but you know what I'm talking about. You've been through it. You've lived the truth. But there's another group here. They know the truth, but they're not living the truth. They've heard about freedom, but they're living in bondage. You repeat the lies of the enemy to yourself in a regular way. My encouragement to you is start telling yourself the truth. It, listen to me, it is impossible It is impossible for God to lie. And what he tells you is the truth. The final group, this third group, is the group that really doesn't know about living the truth. They've been living in the world. In fact, if you're in this group, this is how you live your life. It's it's all wrapped around you. Every decision you make, what's it about? You. (laughs) What you want, what pleases you, what makes you happy. You really, you come to church maybe on Sunday morning. You're here this Sunday morning. But your life, the rest of the week, has really not that much to do with the Lord. It has everything to do with you. You believe the lie that you still have time. That somehow you believe the lie that it just, it'll all turn out all right in the end. You think maybe if I just ignore it, it'll go away. If I just won't think about it. Quite honestly, I've got other things to worry about. 
if that's you, I just want you to know that Bible's, the truth is, the Bible says, do not boast about tomorrow, for you don't know what a day may bring forth. Life is just a little vapor. It appears for a short time and then vanishes away. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. But if this morning you have heard the truth and you say, I want to live in the truth. I don't want to live my life with me in the center. Then I want you to pray with me now. This prayer will be truth. I don't want you just to repeat the words, but I want you to say them truly from your heart to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I admit that I am a sinner and I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and that he rose again the third day. And at this very moment, I turn away from all my sins and I surrender to Jesus Christ. I desire to live the truth for the rest of my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name.